Hey everybody, this is Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development and it is our honour to have Billy Bob Brown who is the Assistant Executive Director with the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency in the US. Hi Billy Bob. Hey, good afternoon or good morning. Great to have you with us. Why don't you tell us about your role and what you do with the agency? Uh, sure. Thanks, uh, Craig. I appreciate the uh, the opportunity to uh, to meet with everyone. I am the Executive Assistant Director for Emergency Communications here at uh, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Uh, my role as the head of the office uh, or the head of the Emergency Communications Division is to ensure that government officials can communicate uh, in times of disaster when needed, where authorized, uh, uh, ensuring that uh, interoperable communications uh, provides the greatest opportunity for mission essential activities to be performed to ensure the safety of our Incredibly important um, role that you fill there. How did you come to be in this role? Uh, so great, uh, great question. I've actually been with the department uh, for approximately 12 years. Um, I started out uh, as a program analyst um, I actually was almost like a, an executive assistant or, or an administrative assistant to uh, the chief of one of our branches. Uh, that's where I got introduced to uh, working with public safety uh, stakeholders across the United States, uh, particularly in the communications field. Um, as I worked my way up, I uh, began uh, working in uh, communications exercises, uh, supporting operational planning across the nation. Uh, had an opportunity to lead uh, the team of subject matter experts that work in emergency communications across the nation uh, here at the department. Uh, then had an opportunity to serve as uh, chief uh, chief of staff or what we call the chief at the time we called it the chief administration uh, administrative officer uh, for the division. Uh, then I had an opportunity to uh, lead uh, one of the department's uh, 80 uh, major acquisitions uh, for almost two years as the program manager uh, before uh, uh, accepting an appointment uh, to head the office uh, in my current position. When you say subject matter experts, what kinds of people are those? Uh, so what we try to do here at the department uh, in partnering across the nation with uh, state and local uh, public safety communications officials and emergency communications uh, managers across you know all levels of government all across the critical infrastructure uh, we look to find uh, people that have been working in uh, the public safety communications field or the emergency communications field who already have a level of expertise and understanding of, uh, of how to uh, create interoperability uh, for the various types of public safety uh, communication systems or emergency communication systems, uh, including voice, video, data, uh, and information services. Those experts uh, who already have credibility in the field, you know, bring with them a large, uh, a large Rolodex, as it were, a uh, number of relationships that they've built uh, in their time um, uh, working in their various uh, various fields, uh, various departments. In lots of cases, uh, they worked in uh, local government, they worked in state government. Uh, they worked in industry uh, and they have relationships with people that uh, uh, allows us to uh, more quickly uh, move forward with some of the initiatives uh, in a nationwide framework to try and drive uh, interoperability. Hmm. You, you've mentioned stakeholders 
quite a few times I know that you're um, very, very keen on and see the importance of partnerships. Why don't you tell us about partnerships and the importance of those and your vision for the agency going forward? Sure. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to start with uh, what's almost a little embarrassing story. Uh, so prior to uh, joining the department, uh, I served a full career in the U.S. military and, uh, you know, had a great, uh, great uh, opportunity, traveled the world, um, you know, lived in, uh, lived actually in Japan for a few years, uh, you know, so was very proud to have served and been a part of the uh, national security uh, team uh, here for the United States. Actually, I was in Australia several years ago, uh, working in a joint exercise uh, with the um, uh, forces in Australia. I mean, so I've loved working with uh, different militaries across the world. Uh, but when I joined the department and I joined the Homeland Security uh, team, uh, I came with a frame of thinking that was from that uh, military uh, perspective, uh, which is a little bit hierarchical, uh, you know, very much top-down driven, orders-based, that sort of thing. Uh, within the first three or four months, I had an opportunity to uh, meet with a group of uh, stakeholders in uh, one of our New England states. And, uh, and as I started sharing with them, uh, you know, where the, uh, the office was attempting to go, where the department was uh, trying to drive the improvement of uh, emergency communications interoperability nationwide, uh, you know, they very politely listened uh, for about 15 minutes uh, <laughs> of my conversation. And I was actually on a panel uh, and, and one of the other panel members was, you know, what we, we called a friend. He was a part of uh, our stakeholder uh, community and uh, a part of a program that we work, working with uh, uh, practitioners across the nation. As soon as I finished, he turned and, and said, Billy Bob, what I'd like to know is, why does the federal government always provide these unfunded mandates? And every head in the room nodded in agreement with him. And for the next 10 minutes, I was blasted by all of these uh, you know, public safety officials from across the, uh, the state uh, telling me about how the federal government uh, you know, brought these unfunded mandates to the local jurisdictions, to the state jurisdictions, uh, you know, very unceremoniously. And, uh, you know, so my interestingly, you know, I, I sort of dusted myself off and, and I wondered, you know, like, hmm, you got to know who your friends are. And uh, but then a year <laughs> later, uh, I came back to the same state, different setting, different group of people. But uh, but as soon as the uh, my portion of the uh, uh, discussion was done, it was almost an exact repeat of what had happened a year before. And, uh, you know, I'm very glad that that happened so early in my tenure because it caused me to rethink and uh, and understand how uh you know in in the way that we're sort of structured uh you know the federal government does not own everything you know it is a partnership with the state governments and local governments and critical infrastructure owner operators you know private industry you know it's all of us actually working together to make this whole homeland security enterprise work and and uh, and at, at the time we were talking about uh, we were publishing the very first uh, national emergency communications plan and we talked about how the plan was stratified you know there there were responsibilities in the plan that only the federal government could do 
and and we had to do those things or we the entire group could not be successful but there was another level that required actions by the state governments and if they the state governments didn't do their part then we the entire team could not be successful and then there were requirements and activities at the local level uh, and if those local governments didn't do their part then we as a team could not be successful so all of us had skin in the game and required uh, some level of activities and responsibility to each other in order for all of us to be successful you know so uh, you know so very early on very quickly uh, you know I, I i broke and threw away the hierarchical frame of thinking There are organizations, agencies, and, and people that actually have autonomy over the things that they control. And if they don't agree, and if they haven't uh, uh, been given an opportunity to buy into any idea, uh, and, and best of all is when they come up with the idea, pitch it to the federal government to adopt and sponsor, you know, that's the big win. You know, find out what, what do they believe collectively is in the best interest of the homeland? What are they already committed to doing? And then chime in, you know, with the things that only we can do at the, at the federal level uh, to, to collectively and, uh, and collaboratively achieve the, uh, the desired goals of the partnership. Wow. So what's something that you've done then in your tenure so far that's been um, a reflection of that new perspective that you've gained? Well, one of the um, things that uh, you know I probably would, uh, would jump on most uh, quickly to identify is uh, something I've been you know proud to be a part of and see develop, uh, but you know recognizing that that it is an uh, ever shifting uh, um, pathway of sand uh, that's always changing. You know, so in communications we recognize that technology uh, is emerging and evolving all of the time. And, uh, and, you know, we, we never stand still in helping operators understand how they can move information to seamlessly perform their mission essential functions. Uh, so a few years ago, about seven years ago, we were working with the state of uh, Utah on a project and, uh, and they were trying to migrate a system uh, in order to uh, accommodate uh, some concerns uh, that they had for uh, their internal budget. What they call upon the department to help them look at it and do some analysis, which required within the agency us to bring a much larger team uh, to support them, including uh, aspects of uh, cybersecurity, because there were some emerging technology issues involved in that project. As we began to look at it, we began to understand that there were risks that they uh, and the city of Utah were not aware of that were being managed at a different level. But now because of the budgetary considerations, they were going to have to manage that themselves. You know, so and it so it forced, you know, in that conversation a larger partnership across that state and it for uh, forced a large partnership across our own agency here within the department to try to help them understand the risks, uh, look for ways to mitigate the, the risks and find opportunities where we could collaboratively partner to help them 
manage those risks. You know, so that's really the first, uh, the first uh, exposure that I had uh, to a more holistic approach for our partners, you know, as opposed to just, uh, you know, my personal part of the portfolio concerning um, emergency communications interoperability, I discovered that interoperability is just one segment of a holistic approach in order to support uh, to support our state and local uh, partners. Great. I think that's really great for emergency managers to hear that from you. Um, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, recently America's had a cyber attack on a pipeline uh, in New Zealand, and we have a very large region called Waikato, and our district health board um, came under cyber attack, which stopped the operations of a large hospital unit and health services. So, as emergency managers, what are some things that we can start paying attention to that maybe we haven't done before to help our organisation to be safer? Sure, that's a great, uh, great question. You know, as emergency managers, uh, one of the responsibilities we really have is to understand all the component parts of the uh, the team that uh, that provide for the safety of our property and citizens. And uh, you know, so you know, as I as I sort of articulated, you know, communications is the part of the team uh, that I am focused, you know, laser focused on supporting. Uh, but you know, the logistics team, the funding team, the administrative team. Uh, you know, for depending on the size of the uh, the organization, you know, the human capital uh, team, all of those various component parts of uh, an emergency man team are essential to ensuring the successful execution of the operations. You know, so so sometimes emergency managers can become too tightly involved in the operations and believe that that's the only thing that they should focus on when they have a great group of tactical experts perform the operations, you know, which, which is, you know, saving the life, repairing the pipeline, restoring the cable, you know, and all of those other functions, you know, get, get left behind, get left behind, could get left behind. But the emergency manager has to recognize that they are most successful when they ensure that the logistics or the back-end support is available at all times to support the operator. You know, that's where the emergency manager really makes uh, their successful pitch when they're looking at all of those other things that the operator depends on, like air, in order to successfully breathe that they need to get done. Love it. Billy Bo, why don't you tell us about your book? You're also a published author, which many people not, might not know about. Uh, thank you for asking. I am a published author. Uh, the title of my uh, book is uh, Journey and Struggle. It is actually out there on Amazon. It could be searched and found with my name. Uh, the book is about uh, my... Uh, life uh, view of purpose uh, and it was the intersection of purpose and technology that uh, drew me to write the book uh, the end results of uh, by my wife by my family uh, to move uh, from the full uh, workforce uh, relatively soon a few years uh, in order to go into the nonprofit sector 
uh, to try and make a difference uh, for poverty uh, in the world. And I'm um, just looking at some of the reviews, people saying, wow, I just have to say wow about your story that you've written. Why is that something that's important to you? I can see you've worked in home to help people with homelessness as well. Is this something that your family growing up was involved in or have you made it your own, your own personal mission? Yeah, it, uh, it should, you know, I heard a story uh, several years ago uh, that described the haves and the have nots in the world. Uh, and it just powerfully moved me uh, to want to uh, contribute whatever I can uh, to support. Love it. You've got such a, a wide range of responsibilities in your role. If someone was wanting to get into emergency communications, what would you suggest that they do to build some life experiences and before they pursue their career? learning and being good at uh, the sciences, uh, learning. And being good in, uh, in math, you know, those are all very helpful. Uh, years ago, uh, And days, uh, you know, you can think of uh, information and and emergency management. So, uh, officer safety number one because officer safety is critical uh, to being able to perform the actual operation which is you know saving a life protecting property uh, and ensuring uh, you know the health of, uh, of all of our citizens well, Billy Bob, thank you so much for your time today. I do really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your experiences with us. And I wish you all the best in your role going forward. I think I might have lost a little audio.